The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Something about me, I do not. I do not seek out unpopular opinions to have. I just have them. Okay. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode number 237, a summer movie roundup. My name is Craig Hanks and I'm your host over there. Uh, his hair is curly like an Ewok and he's not nearly so fun to poke. It's Todd Wenty. Chup, chup. Uh, (laughs) you don't want to know what i just said in iwakis i'm just saying uh and if anything else besides goldenrod it would be his feet that would be worshipped by said ewoks it's ryan james bruckman yeah as long as i'm getting worshipped oh oh you know that that's that's a whole genre right feet worship yeah like online I, I'm sure, I'm not personally knowing that. But, uh, what are you telling me about your search history, Craig? Did he call I'm just you, saying. Did he I'm call you saying. Goldenrod? Look. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I just... Goldenrod the foot fetishist. Got it. You've got this is uh, not the internet name I want to stick. You've got a, you've got a built-in audience. Start selling those feet pics. Okay, so <laughs> here's what you got to know about this episode. First of all, it's already terrible. Uh, second, we are currently live streaming on YouTube. It's actually quite late at night, so I don't expect too many people to pop in, but I do want to give people the opportunity. This is totally a surprise live stream, sure. uh, so I'm not hey. uh, not expecting a bunch of people to, to pop in. Uh, and third, this is going to be disorganized. It's going to be messy. No. It's going to be... It, it, basically, this is our <laughs> chance to let our hair down a little bit. We do a lot of episodes where... You got to read all the things you got to, you know, you got to prepare your remarks and be ready to, you know, speak intelligently about something. Today, we're just talking about movies and TV that we've seen since Endgame came out. So it's been, what, three months or so? About Uh, about that. So this is our chance to just kind of talk about how the summer movie season went and TV as well. Uh, So we'll see where it goes from there. All right. (laughs) Uh, so I, I guess my point is if this is the first time that you're ever tuning in to listen to The Legendary. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, wow. Sorry about that. Maybe go try and find one a different first. episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> or if you really like this episode, stop. You're probably stop not going to like the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Congratulations. There's a dozen other episodes in our backlog that you'll enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Out of 237. Okay. Uh, so let's go ahead and. Um, this is the first start. time we've had the three of us back together. Well, no, we, we got together for a photo shoot briefly. Oh. Do we talk about that? <laughs> Oh Did yeah, talk about that? yeah. That didn't quite take the internet as much by storm as no, we thought. No, we got it. it. Got it. Got okay traction. There, there was a little bit of traction. There was a little yeah. bit of traction. No, we, I had a few people at work that asked me about the picture. If you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, because every once in a while we post something so heinously disturbing uh, that it will ruin your entire week in a way that you might actually kind of enjoy. It will probably ruin Craig's congressional run in ten years. Oh, that's been ruined for a long time. <laughs> After 237 episodes of this, you can bet I've said a few things that would come back to haunt me. 
Uh, so yeah, that that's not that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, but a Senate run, that's a totally different deal. I think he's still got the shot for that. I am the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The first the first movie that I saw after Endgame was Tolkien. But I kind of want to save that one. Um, of course you do. And, you want to save something intelligent and beautifully crafted for the uh, end. Well, so I want you guys to start and we've got a list here that we can go on. Did either of you see Dark Phoenix or Godzilla or Men in Black? Dark Phoenix. You saw Dark Phoenix. Just saw Dark Phoenix. Nope. No. Okay, Todd, tell us about Dark Phoenix. How was it? How did it go? From the standpoint of a fanboy, it was minorly disappointing. Uh, I won't say majorly disappointing, but I will say minorly disappointing. Uh, from the standpoint of a movie itself and and something of a... Um, of a of a shot at a at an X Men blockbuster for the summer, it was disappointing to the studio and to a lot of the fans. It was kind of a nice half hearted effort to reintroduce some things. It was a from a from a story standpoint, it was really a mess. Um, they took from the from the story of the from the comic book story of the Dark Phoenix. Um, Jean is supposed to discover her powers. She finds out that she is the most powerful mutant telepath on the planet. And then she be finds out that the reason that she is the most powerful mutant telepath is because she is also the host to a cosmic entity called the Phoenix, who gathers fat power by consuming the life essence of other sentient beings throughout the, the cosmos. Um, she is being pursued by the Shi'ar Empire, who are trying to stop her in her tracks. Now, in the, in the comic book version of that story, Cyclops and Wolverine and... Banshee and all of the X-Men rally around her and try and help her get control over this entity and they wind up losing a battle between the Shi'ar Guardians uh, and and Jean and they wind up, uh, Scott winds up um, holding his lady love dead and Logan is the one that kills her and I mean it is a it is a dark, dark story from the Chris Claremont years of, uh, of storytelling. Um, but it was also one that forged the X-Men into a book that everybody wanted to read. Uh, and it, and it really made, it really put the X-Men on the map as far as being a comic book franchise. Uh, this one, the second effort at trying to tell the dark Phoenix story mm -hmm. was about as bad as the first one, because they didn't know how to introduce all of those concepts to everybody. And so the Shi'ar became the bad guys, even though in the comic book series, the Shi'ar actually become the best friends to the X-Men and they wind up finding themselves together um, Magneto finds himself trying to stop Gene when in reality Magneto was nowhere near this story. Uh, and we also learn one piece of information in the very beginning of the story that kind of set the whole thing up. And that was that Gene was responsible for killing her parents or for killing her mother. Uh, it was an accidental kind of a situation. Oh, I should, we have said spoilers. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, you know what? No one saw Dark Phoenix. No one's Except gonna me, see Dark right? Phoenix. Yeah, it, it, in fact, I'm probably not gonna catch it when it comes out on video either. No, um, why I would you? I won't get it on Blu ray unless it's just to make a collection of all the failed X Men franchise movies. It had such potential. Special effects were quite fun. Uh, the way that they handled Cyclops and, and Gene's relationship looked like it was gonna be really good, but there were so many fragmented pieces of what was going on. And you had Jennifer Lawrence in the middle of it as Mystique getting killed, which again never happened. It's such a total, uh, total reversal and well, reinvention of the storyline. Her character. Look, I haven't seen this movie, so take all anything I say with a grain of salt. But her character shouldn't have ever been what it was in these movies. Anyway, no. it is what it became because Jennifer Lawrence became a huge star. 
when yes. she started, it, you know, a few people were like, "Oh yeah, no, I remember her from whatever it was that you know, but Hunger Games as, or something." Uh, but then, as soon as her star really, really rose, yep. As um, soon as you have Oscar winner Jennifer Lawrence after it right. as part of your credits, you you write her into everything, right? And from what I heard, again, haven't seen it, but from what I've heard, this is one of her worst performances of all time, uh, simply because she did not care. She didn't want to be there. This is not, she's not interested in the role anymore. Please, you know, please kill me off. Oh, yeah, and they I, did. I'm done. In spectacular, in spectacular fashion. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those movies that had such, such good promise, really wonderful promise. And, um, I think the filmmakers did everything that they wanted to do. It just was not a storyline that, that could survive all of the editing and all of the changing that needed to be done in order to make it, uh, a, a popular consumption kind of a vehicle. I honestly, again, didn't go see this, but I honestly think that the Dark Phoenix story shouldn't be told in a single film. Like, and I'm not saying you need to make a three piece Dark Phoenix trilogy or whatever, like you can, but with what they had done with uh, this new generation of X-Men, this new casting and everything here, that grouping is not far enough along. Those relationships aren't firmly cemented enough to carry the emotional impact of what this story needs to be. Absolutely. So you don't have the foundation to tell the Dark Phoenix story here. You have to tell it over multiple films that where they're doing other things. So you say, okay, and we've built you know this relationship between Gene and Scott in the first one here, and it's gone here, and this is where the Logan portion of it's getting you know, uh, messed in there as well. So I, I, I watched this and went, nope, too soon, too soon. And the last one you did wasn't that strong. So I don't think you're ready to be doing this story. Now I will say that the actress who played, uh, Gene, Sophie Turner, Turner, Sophie yeah. Turner did a great job with the role. Oh, really? Um, I was, I was very impressed with what she did. Um, and with, and with how well she did, uh, how well she did the different pieces that she needed to do. Cause she had spent a lot of time on wire. Um, she was, she was suspended in the air for a lot of the film. Uh, and I, I recognize that that takes a toll on somebody. So trying to add, trying to act and do all the other things you have to do while you are held on a crane, uh, in a harness that's digging into your ribs and all those other kinds of things. I watched that and I said to myself, wow, she's, she's really doing some good stuff right now. And her interactions with Magneto, uh, and her interactions with the character that played Scott. Um, sorry, I'm totally forgetting your name. Um, but I, yeah, he's listening. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Uh, well, because Isn't his it, career has taken played... such an upswing since Dark Phoenix. <laughs> he's the guy who was the main character in Ready Player One, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember his name. But, uh, anyway. you know, there, there, was some, there was some great interaction. There was some good acting. But the story just wasn't compelling enough to really make it take off. Um, so... Dark Phoenix, we good on that one? Yeah. Okay. All right. So. It's already gotten more in, I think in depth discussion than it got. When I think they were we've given it more it. than just about any other media outlet did. <laughs> so, and I was kind. Yeah. Yeah. I think you you might have been. So, okay. Let's move on to a different one. We got we got that one out of the way. So, uh, did anybody see Godzilla or Men in Black? I did not. No. No. Okay. That's fine. Neither did anyone else. I would so. Netflix Men in Black if I could if I spotted it. I yeah, don't no, care about totally. Godzilla. It's it's on my list of movies to catch when it comes to the dollar theater, and I, I liked, think it's there now. So I might be seeing it next week. I liked the last Godzilla. I mean, the one that had almost no Godzilla in it. <laughs> That's what I hate about Godzilla. <laughs> aside movies. from that, aside from that, I was I I liked it 
uh, you know, as a movie. So I uh, loved Godzilla growing up. I had a Godzilla themed birthday party one year. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this about. I you. believe it was, this. It was when I was. It was before okay. you and I met. I was like seven. Uh, I lived in West Bountiful, and we had a sleepover party, and I rented three Godzilla movies, and that's what we watched all night. And yeah, we're, we're going to turn into a therapy session here really quick. But I used to love Godzilla <laughs> until. Uh, by the way. Guess who's watching the live stream currently? One, Megan Smythe. No kidding. Uh, so hi, hey, Megan. Megan. She says that Men in Black is on her, or Godzilla is on her red box plan. Men in Black, yeah. Men in anyway, Black? Okay, okay. so okay. if we haven't seen those, let's not talk about those. Right. Hey, can I say one thing that's funny about the Godzilla tie-in? My wife and I just got done watching on Netflix an episode of uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow. And in that, there's one that they do about Japanese monster movies in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And when it finishes, one of the characters looks at the guy and says, hey, you really need to think about lizards. Give up on octopus. <laughs> and, and as he walks away, the guy says, monsters, king of kaiju. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we can see it coming. Oh, that's where Godzilla is born. It was quite an entertaining little tie-in. Okay. All right. Um, so I want to move on to a different one. Ryan, you're a massive Disney Pixar guy. Yep. And and I do mean massive. You are just, it's getting out of control. Yeah. What uh, are you, 145 pounds now? <laughs> uh, okay, so have you seen Toy Story 4? Yes, I and, have seen Toy Story 4. Okay, so I have not, Todd. I have not. Okay, so Ryan, you're holding down the fort on this one. <laughs> How was it? So Toy Story 4, I think, is a great story. Um, it's it's a really enjoyable Um I will say this is my one caveat to it. I don't think it fits with the first three. I would not have called this Toy Story 4. Wait, you mean the movie that was made 15 years after the franchise was dead and buried doesn't feel like the rest of the franchise? Personally, I'm shocked. No, well, personally, I'm shocked that Ryan could say that. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm surprised. That my, he Disney, that he thinks, my Disney overlord should be coming critique. through the door any moment. <laughs> yeah, with, I, with a brand. Yeah. For a, <laughs> they're gonna put it in your back and like you're one more time and it's uh and it's, it's and then the you're Iron banned. Maiden. yeah no it's so <laughs> the the thing is toy story 4 this story is uh much like the other toy stories it is aimed to tell a story that is fit for the generation that grew up with it um it will still work as a children's story for today but it's about moving on uh that's the idea um, spoiler so alert. Not, so it's not for kids now. It's for the parents of the kids, the parents who saw it when they were kids. I would say, yeah, like the main the the main storyline, the main crux there is going to resonate more with the the parents of children than otherwise. My son really likes Toy Story Four, mm -hmm. but he loves Duke Kaboom and he loves um, Forky. He loves these these other little characters because they're fun and they're enjoyable. That's what you know. So he right. enjoys that portion of it. But the message of the story. He's just kind of like, that's great. That's great. Like, he gets it. He explains to me the whole concept of Forky thinking that he's trash. Um, <laughs> right. But, yeah, it resonates more with uh, with the this genera my generation who grew up with Toy Story uh, because it's about Woody moving on. Uh, this character who, for the longest time, has been all about stay together, stay as a, you know, we're a family, take care of the kids, kids first, finally deciding that he's going to move on. Um, and he does this through this adventure where he finds Bo Peep. They go, uh, he's he's trying to basically keep this other character, Forky, uh, with, uh, who keeps trying to throw himself away because he is trash. He was born of trash. He was made of a spork and a bunch of other trash pieces. Um, and so he's trying to just fulfill his purpose by getting thrown away. And so he keeps having to save the character 
and bring it back to, to Bonnie. Right, right. And in this whole ordeal, he finds Bo Peep and kind of goes through this whole thing about being a lost toy. And uh, they save Forky, get everything pulled together. And there's a moment where he has to decide, is he going to get in the RV with all the other toys? Or is he going to stay with Bo Peep and these new toys um, and explore life being free and being able to play with any kid out there, being able to do whatever? And he decides to stay with them. Right. And for a lot of people, that uh, that has not sat well with them um, in terms of they, they felt that the end, some people felt that the end was not justified. It wasn't a good mm-hmm. decision. Um, I think it was. I am okay with this. I am okay with the decision that was made in Woody moving on. Uh, this, the show itself, it's really, uh, it's a very emotional piece. And I actually, I really enjoy that. But I, it doesn't feel like the Toy Story adventures of the first three. It feels like the story of Woody moving on. Mm-hmm, sure. And so- uh, A little just, more like philosophical. Yeah, like, it's a little more that. like it, it Adult themed. And, and it's also a breaking point where they can start and say, hey, we're going to go ahead and if we do any more Toy Story franchise stuff, it's going to be a different crew that you see. Please, dear Lord, no. Um, and we'll, they'll go with that. And they will probably do that more <laughs> along the lines of like television series and things like that right. versus versus doing movies. So that's what they've set themselves up for there. Hey, I would see a whole film about the little army men. I would I would watch that. Didn't that would be some, entertaining. Didn't they do a short? Or, uh, they did a short. They did a short. But I would yeah. I would watch one with the kids playing with the army men and the army men trying to figure out how to save themselves from the... From from getting melted and everything, I it would, would be. I would watch that. It could be fun to have a, a series with their little missions and things like that. But yeah, I, yeah. I think this. But so so overall, you liked it. Yeah, it was, it's it's a good movie. It deserves the it deserves the praise it's gotten. It deserves uh, high rankings, and you should see it if you've seen the others. Just okay. realize it's going to feel slightly different than Rank. those. I want your ranking, bottom to top, worst to best, worst. Toy Stories. Okay, I will go. One is the worst. So sorry, bottom to top. No. Uh, oh gosh, that's this is harder. Got to go realize. two, four, three, one. I haven't even seen four, and that's the only acceptable ranking. I might, I might switch four and th- I might switch four and three okay. on a on a given day, but I wouldn't fight you for it. I okay. So something about me, I do not, I do not seek out unpopular opinions to have. I just have them, okay? <laughs> Here's my unpopular opinion for this portion of our discussion today. Only for this portion. Uh, yeah, and that is uh, Toy Story, overrated. Toy Story is overrated. You, wait it minute, is you, not that good. That's not let to me, say it's let bad. Me, let, me, let me make sure I understand. You're not, you didn't try to formulate that. You just came by that on your own. I'm just saying, no, no, no. I'm just saying that like, I know for a lot of people out there, the majority of people out there, they'd be like, what are you talking about? It's one of the greatest, most groundbreaking, you know, achievements in animation and all that. And I get it, you know, from a technical standpoint and and all that stuff. And and I like them fine. But the sort of, you know, fervor around the Toy Story franchise, I do not understand. I think it's misplaced. I just don't think that they are worthy of the devotion that people give to them. Uh, And I honestly... I can remember the feelings I had from each one, you know, as far as whether I liked it or loved it or, or not, uh, except for number four now. But um, I can only remember flashes of images from each one, including the first one, you know, like all the, the creepy toys crawling out from under the bed. 
Or in the second one, it's the little green guys and the, the, the toy catcher machine thing, whatever it's called. In the third one, it's the incinerator. These are the only things I remember from the movies, and I don't remember any context around them. Uh, they are ultimately extremely forgettable, obviously, and I hope Toy Story dies. Obviously, you either drank too much or too little Kool-Aid when you were growing up, and that's why you feel that way. <laughs> Something like either that. that or you're three churros short of what you should be having as far as Disney churros, and that's just that's just the way it goes. Uh, by the way, Cosmere Podcast, who is uh, tuned in on the live stream, says um, distant sequels can work. Incredibles 2, Mad Max Fury Road, Blade Runner 2049, yep. Tron Legacy. Wait a minute, Blade Runner 2049? Now, look, some some people hated it. Some people really loved it. Okay. But my okay. response to this is, yeah, you, you named four really great examples of exceptions that prove the rule. <laughs> okay? Like, if you're, if you're batting... If your batting average is 125, you're on the bench. <laughs> hold on, hold on, though. That's four examples, but how many other franchises have that long distance between, like, yeah, you, mean, any, I can think I, of, like, even even having sequels that long of the distance. I can think of, like, like, Dumb and Dumber 2, maybe, uh, or Anchorman 2. That didn't wait 15 years in between them, though. Anchorman 2, that was at least 10 years. But that 10 years isn't 15. Oh my gosh, are we really no, nitpicking? I'm not, not going to argue that's semantic, but I'm sitting here going like, okay, four, let's go four, five out of probably, like, you're talking batting average. I'm, I, I bet this is batting around, you know, the 250, you know, 300, 350, somewhere around that mark. I, I wouldn't give it 350, but I'd give it 250. A third of these that are long distance, because if you're going that far, like, if there's that much distance in between the, the sequels, <laughs> you're either really reaching for something or it was a strong enough foundation to build on that it's, uh, you know, you can come back to it. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I just, okay. All right. That, look, you take it up with Cosmere Podcast. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm on the side of Cosmere I, Podcast. I, I, I recognize that. We'll... They believe they have zinged me because movies are bad because my memory. And it's like, <laughs> look, think of think of your favorite movies and uh, think of the movies that stand the test of time, and you remember a lot about them. The ones that, uh, the ones that just kind of skim over the surface of your mind and never leave an impression. You know, not great movies, for that reason. Yeah, I okay. I would say that that's not a strong argument for Toy Story because the majority of people sit on the side of having that stronger that's, recollection. That's why I'm saying yeah. this is an unpopular opinion. I get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm airing it. Okay, let's okay. move on to a different movie, shall we? Uh, ooh. Should we talk about Tolkien first or John Wick first? The There's opposites. a lot of headshots in both. So. There's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do, neither of you saw Tolkien no, no, I did not. Did either of you see John Wick? I haven't not seen yet. any Are of the John Wicks. Are you freaking... You, what? I haven't seen any of the John Wicks. What? Oh, my word. Neither, neither of the other two? No, I have not seen any of John Wicks. I know the premise of the story. Like, I know what's going on. So, I've followed enough. I've watched enough little clips and stuff to be able to have a conversation about John Wick. So I will I will say this. John, the, John Wick 3, Parabellum, because that's the full title of the film, right? John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Um, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Um the the timing for that coming out was so disadvantageous for me because it was just it was it was the wrong week starting the wrong month starting the wrong the the wrong block of time because it was right about when the show was that I'm just get finishing directing was coming out and I'm like no I can't do this um, and so all of my brain power has been in a, in a 
focused in a different direction. But my daughter and I, much to my wife's chagrin, have been saying, okay, because she's also been involved in producing this this show. And so now that the show is on its feet, we've been kind of comparing notes saying, when do we get to find it in a theater so we can go see it on a big screen? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're having a tough time finding any place that's still screening it. So we may wind up just sitting really close to the television downstairs <laughs> nice. and watching it when it comes out on DVD. I am, I, I am, I have followed just about all of the press releases and a bunch of the interviews that were being done around the film. I am very excited about that film. I just haven't been able to watch it. So I've seen all three, uh, possibly more than once. <laughs> I, I love them. The, so one of my favorite things, this won't be a full review. I mean, you can go read all the full reviews you want, but uh, John Wick 3, I think, accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do, which is to be more of what you saw in John Wick 1 and 2. Uh, you know, more headshots, more gun foo, uh, you know, more of all that stuff. They do change it up a little bit where it's it's a little less gun-centric, although there's plenty of that. Uh, but it's, you know, a lot more hand-to-hand, knife yeah. fighting, hatchets to the skull, that sort of thing. From a distance. It's sweet. Uh, (laughs) But what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So with John Wick 3, one of my favorite things about this franchise, really, is that while the first one was kind of a surprise culturally, right? Yes. Nobody could have suspected that it would be that big. Including the filmmakers themselves. Right. Have this much of an impact. A revenge flick? They didn't realize that was going to be such a huge hit. (laughs) But... uh, what it what I like about them Unintended. is just how mindless and simple they really are. And you, so there's no such thing as a spoiler alert for a John Wick movie. It's not a thing. No. I can tell you I, I, I can tell you John Wick kills bad guys, goes on the run, kills more bad guys, hunts bad guys, you know, almost dies, doesn't die. That's and you would not be surprised at that. That's right. not a spoiler. Right. Ryan could have written the synopsis without having seen any of these movies. Uh, but that's All right, kind of... John Wick Chapter 4. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's kind of what I like about the franchise is that, uh, you know, I don't want every movie to be this way. I like other styles of movies, but, you know, you kind of want to cycle in and out of certain things. You know, you don't want to see the exact same movie over and over again. John Wick does not require you to go in ready to engage all of your brain cells to figure the film out. John Wick, any of the John Wick films is, yeah, let's let's just go in and see how many moments of gunfire can be punctuated by the sound of breaking <laughs> glass and people going, I'll get you. Well, and they and they established an emotional baseline for the whole thing by killing his dog and saying, "Okay, this wait, is wait, a good wait, enough wait, reason wait, wait. to kill seventy two." It wasn't just a dog. It wasn't. <laughs> You've got John Wick's car. Get out of my shop. Uh, the the other thing that I think is pretty interesting, though, about the John Wick franchise, this whole three films has taken what seventy two hours. Uh, it's more than that now, you know. It's with it's, with John with three because they've traveled to right. It's a it's uh, a probably a couple of weeks. Sorry, this, yeah, this, but still, yeah. So, John Wick has aged ten years. In, <laughs> in two I weeks. have to ask you guys: Have you guys? Do you guys, have you guys seen the honest trailer for John Wick three? No, no, not yet. It's quite funny. Everyone out there on YouTube right now, you should eventually go over and watch that. And once you tear away from this riveting bit of information, but there's a section on there that talks about like. The amazing cinematography of John Wick. It's like, you know, showing an action sequence that doesn't rely on quick cuts and everything and um, whatever. 
It's like, how is Liam Neeson going to jump a fence and take in four? Because right. it cuts this thing where it's like 17 different angles of Liam Neeson oh, trying man. to jump a fence. And I'm like, then they show John Wick doing this like cartwheel over somebody all in a one shot, cartwheel, gunshot, gunshot, headshot, knife throw. Like, like yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty astounding. And that, for me, that's the reason, that would be the reason for me to want to watch John Wick. I'm having to balance the idea of not really enjoying watching people get shot in the head and and wanting to see the high level of skill that the per, the second unit had to have to pull off all the stunts and things like that in these shots without using the camera tricks of all right now cut to this camera so we don't see this moment and right yeah you guys ready for some viewer responses we've had a couple good comments sure in the last minute uh so um seth is very disappointed in you ryan josh is not rock on ryan <laughs> uh, Josh also says there's nothing to see that you haven't seen in any other such movie oh man I couldn't disagree right? more um, Cosmere podcast oh no we'll get to that in a second Seth also says it's a ripping good yarn yes and Spook I, I love this John Wick is punching the movie <laughs> <laughs> so, they understand us they understand yep. us Cosmere podcast says I'm waiting for Craig to spend half the episode gushing about Hobbs and Shaw Oh, we'll get there. I'm I'm we excited. This there. this is the other one that the timing for that film has just really disappointed me. I may be taking the day off of work. Wait, is anybody from work watching this? I may be I may be sick tomorrow. <laughs> I have to tell you guys this. This is from years years and years of knowing Craig. I don't know that I have seen Craig be more excited about a film since we were going to go see Revenge of the Sith. And really? Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, possible. No, I was pretty excited for. Um... Star Wars 7? Oh, The Force Awakens. That one. Yes. I think I didn't quite hone in as much on your excitement because I was also yeah, as you were you were on another freaking planet with that one. I was I was looking at the signs of my, you know, the second coming of my of my religious experience returning. Should we should we just talk about Hobbs and Shaw? Um Should you talk about Hobbs and Shaw? Is that what you're gonna say? Yeah, yeah. We'll do Hobbs and Shaw, then we'll do another one that you guys have seen, and then we'll get to Tolkien after that. Sound good? Sure. Um, okay, so Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw is the eighth or ninth film in the nice. Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, this one's kind of a spinoff with The Rock and Jason Statham's characters. Uh, from previous films, they do not like each other. They do not get along, which is the first prerequisite for a buddy cop movie. You can't like each other, at least not at the beginning, right? Uh, so in this movie, it is two hours and 15 minutes, maybe more, 220, something like that. And they go everywhere. They go everywhere. <laughs> they, Okay, not really. They're in London. They're in Russia. They're in Samoa. Lots of locations. Uh, but it also... In true lit, Fast and Furious fashion. Yeah, absolutely. So it also stars Vanessa Kirby as Jason Statham's character's little sister. Uh, she is an MI6 agent. And then Idris Elba is the bad guy. He's Black Superman, as he calls himself in the movie. And he's a kind of cybernetically enhanced uh, character. He's no, he's more machine now than men and all that sort of thing. But because of this, and this is where I really love the Fast and Furious franchise. If you go back and watch the first movie, if you, if you were to only see number one and now number nine, you'd go, wait, what? where's the connective thread here? This this doesn't make any sense. And I am 100% fine with this. This is... 
I actually I like the first movie. I I haven't seen Tokyo Drift, but I think that's the only one. And I I haven't seen any entry in the franchise that I haven't at least liked. Really? If not loved. Um, I've liked How have I not all. known this about you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really like the Fast and Furious I have franchise. only seen the first one. Okay, I'm not surprised <sighs> by that at all. But, Ryan. but I, my my appreciation for you, Craig, has just gone up several notches. Well, that's odd. That's odd that it would happen now. But... It, it it very much <clears throat> is, but I'm I'm all aboard. So this one, yeah. I, so what I love is that they have really leaned into just how ridiculous this is. This is so stupid. Come <laughs> on, you know. In the first one, the idea that the that the fate of the L.A. criminal underworld would be decided, you know, a quarter mile at a time. It's ridiculous. This is so stupid. And so they just said, you know what? Every movie, they ramp it up more and more and more. This has no connection to reality. It's just, uh, it's like, this is picking up where James Bond left off with the Casino Royale remake in 2006. Uh, You know, when that one came out, which I love, don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore that movie. Um, But it did kind of jettison the goofy... Uh, let's let's do space lasers version of James Bond uh, in a lot of ways. And so uh, this franchise has kind of picked up on that stuff because there's still an audience for it, right? Obviously, I I am one of them. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm sure it's doing well this weekend. So anyway, uh, I love the movie. Idris Elba is fantastic. He is, obviously, he's fantastic in just about every single thing that he decides to try his hand at. Um, and Vanessa Kirby, <sighs> wow. Uh, I feel a little bit like Ken here. Like you shouldn't comment on how attractive an actress is, but here's why I kind of want to comment on this. This woman is so gorgeous. Sorry, that Megan. I Sorry. demand, I demand that she be cast in the new Amazon Lord of the Rings movie or show. She is already just a hundred percent elf like. Um, She's incredibly good looking, but she so, also has that kind of elfin quality. So you found your new Galadriel? Uh, yeah, 100%. Yes. Stand her on a box. I understand she's short. I, that's fine. Do what you got to do. She's perfect. Um, and what, Okay. Aside from that, she actually carries a lot of uh, weight in this movie standing next to freaking Jason Statham and The Rock. She actually has some like physicality to show which i was really impressed by i wasn't expecting her to i wasn't expecting to believe the you know this actress from was it the crown that she was in to kick butt in a in a (laughs) fast and furious movie but she did she was really believable so yeah uh let's see i'm trying to think of what else i can say about it i it was if anything i think I, i made this joke on our little private facebook chat uh, but it's, I wanted to say it's a hundred percent of everything that you look for in a Fast and Furious movie these days, but it's actually probably 110% because it's just too long. It's, mm-hmm. you know, two, two hours and 20 minutes is too much for this. It should have been trimmed down about 30 minutes. There's a lot of, um, a lot of jokes between Jason Statham and The Rock that are funny, but that are carried on way too long. Uh, but they really kind of leaned into that. Oh, we don't like each other, and we're going to quip at each other for five minutes on the plane. Based on looking at the on on seeing the the previews and some of the extended trailers and some of the other footage that they've leaked, um, it looks very much like what they've done is they've taken all of the things that that Dwayne Johnson has been doing in a lot of his other films, like with um, with uh, Chris Rock and and 
um what was the one that he did jumanji with, yeah and jumanji with uh I love the new trailer for the new jumanji they, looks amazing they, it looks like they've taken a lot of those same kinds of of joke fodder and thrown it into this because who knew that the rock was going to be so blasted funny um he's he's he carries off that pretty well and i i think they found i think the the makers of the franchise have said you know if it's working everywhere else why not play to that strength well it's a bit like when uh uh, Chris Hemsworth turned out to be hilarious. Oh, And suddenly yes. the Thor movies were comedies. Yes. Right, or whatever. There's only been one of those. There's another one coming up. There's another one coming you up. You know, whatever, whatever else he's done, even outside of that, it's like, no, I saw Ghostbusters. We're leaning into this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's so loud. Is it? It's <laughs> my favorite part of that movie. It's so loud. What? A favorite part of what? The Ghostbusters, the... With oh, Chris you Henry. remember something about that movie? I like that movie. Oh. It's good. You that was have last, the, you, that was last summer. Honestly, that was last summer. the worst <laughs> movie instincts I've ever no, seen. No, 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 no. No, no, wait a minute. I, I'm just very capable oh. of... I, I can look at a movie and say, that's a bad movie. I can tell it's a bad movie. But I can also just enjoy the movies uh, just for what they are. Sometimes a bad movie is more enjoyable because you know it's a bad movie. <laughs> and because the movie knows it's a bad movie and it's just going to be what it is. Well, and the thing is, like, I... We don't want to go down the tangent of, of Ghostbusters too much there, but it's not a bad movie. It's a it, bad movie. It's not a it bad is movie. A bad movie. It's a movie in the. It's a movie from my okay. perspective. It's a movie in the vein of Buckaroo Banzai. No, get out. Get Stop. out. There's nothing redeeming about Ghostbusters 2016 except okay. the comedic stylings of Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Okay. okay. Look, are, are we, we really we gonna? Re we've talked about Ghostbusters on the podcast before. Maybe this, we this moment right here is what it, we are unfortunately <laughs> in front of a YouTube viewing audience, and to all of our <laughs> listeners, establishing some sort of film credentials so that people know how how serious to take our. We have no credentials. <laughs> how serious to take what we say? Like, yes, this man clearly knows what he's talking about about movies. He loved 2016's Ghostbusters, like. I wouldn't trust me, but I, I really, it's a good I defy you to watch the uh, Mr. Plinkett review of Ghostbusters 2016 and come away from it not understanding that it is one of the worst movies ever made. I will wow. try that. I will wow. go watch the Mr. Plinkett's review and whatever there. I think but, we need to, I think that needs to be a Mystery Science 3000 kind of a, kind of a deal we watch it we'll live stream me watching it yeah. here and, and then and you have listen a, to, the, to the comments i, I would a rebuttal for that i will rebut mr plinkett we'll yeah. have some best of that. luck to you hey now i i need to i need to bring up a movie i can't but i can't remember where it fell in the timing did anybody else see shazam uh shazam, shazam came, came out, out after Endgame. it's i mean it literally just hit video like two weeks ago yeah i did any because i saw that i actually i saw that with my family um, we went into the theater and I have to admit, I quite enjoyed the Shazam. film. Yeah. yeah, Shazam's great. Uh, I shouldn't say great. Shazam is good. Shazam was worth it's watching. Very, yeah, it was very enjoyable. I, I watched Zachary it because Levi. of Zachary Levi. I, I uh, cut my teeth with him on Chuck uh, back in the day um, and I loved him in that. So I was happy to go see him do something else. He's kind of apparently had a, a pretty rough time after yeah. Chuck. Um, and maybe even at the tail end of it, you know, dealing with mental health stuff. And so he kind of dropped off the radar for a while, um, not doing so many projects. And this was kind of his triumphant return uh, to a leading man role. And whatever the merits of the movie, I think, you know, people can argue about whether the movie's good and that's fine. 
Um, but he's great. Yeah. In that one. So. Did a wonderful job. I think the, I think the movie one, I mean, as a, as a, as a comic book, as a comic book movie, everybody expects me to say, how did it compare to the really, to the original source material, Todd? Um, it was okay. I mean, obviously it's a modern telling of the Billy Batson kind of uh, the Billy Batson situation. Um, but in introducing the entire Shazam family, the, the way that they did toward the end of the film, they did a wonderful job with it. Shazamly. I love, <laughs> I'm never calling it that. Um, but I, I, it, it was a, the only thing that I was disappointed with is that I was watching a Christmas movie in July and I wanted to walk out and put on my coat and pull it tight around me. Um, because that's what Christmas movies do for me. It was, it was obviously prepared and designed to be kicked out during the, the holiday movie block. And I don't know whether they missed it last year or they just wanted to get it out earlier this year, but one way or another, uh, watching a movie where they had Christmas lights personally, very satisfying. We sang Christmas songs as we walked out, which to my wife was just the most worthless thing in the world to do. Uh, but I really, I really quite enjoyed it. Had a good time watching the film. All right. Well, uh, I think we do one more before the Tolkien discussion, uh, and that is we've got to talk about the uh, relative artistic abominations, uh, of which we've had two since Endgame, and that is the Disney live-action remakes. Uh, so let's talk about those. Ryan, have you seen both? Nope. Aladdin and Lion King, neither? Nope, I haven't okay. seen them. Um, but I will already tell you I am on the side of Disney. it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. Uh, Aladdin isn't as bad. I couldn't even finish Beauty and the Beast uh, or Jungle Book. Um, what was the other one that came out between Beauty and the Beast and now? Um, Dumbo never even... I, I, Dumbo. I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Didn't enjoy the cartoon. <laughs> exactly. <It's, laughs> some some of the decisions on which ones to make have been odd. Um, Aladdin wasn't as bad, but it definitely suffers from hey, let's take this kid's movie that held kids' attention for 90 minutes and extend it a half hour. Uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. But there is absolutely no reason for it to exist beyond money. There is obviously an audience that wanted it. Congratulations, they took their money. I personally... I think this is a pretty classic example of Disney creating a market where there is none. Okay. And uh, the world and... The art that we I'll... enjoy would have been just fine had they not created that market. This is one of those things where they could have put their time and attention toward uh, a new artistic venture, but they went the safe route sure. of saying, you know, no, we're guaranteed to make, you know, to net $200 million on every single one of these at minimum. Uh, you know, $200, $200 million in profit. Yeah, we're going to go the safe route and, and make them. Which will allow us to build Star Wars land. Uh, I, yes and no, because Disney does not need to play safe. Um, the spread of things that they are putting out, like their, their release of everything, every film ever being made currently, it feels like, especially with their acquisition of, uh, Fox, mm. like there's no like, okay, we're going to play it safe on this. So we make sure we make the money. This is them. Like. I genuinely think the purpose of all these live action remakes is to give this uh, this next generation a point to grab onto and say, oh, okay, here's these. The cartoons work fine. Like I I don't think it would be a terrible thing if they weren't made. It's you're not gonna hurt the cartoons by making these. You're not gonna help the cartoons by making these. Um, 
but I think a, it is a but way. But it is a different audience. It is a different market. It's a different time. My and I, I watch it for example with like my son watching things on television. The art and animation styles that he enjoys watching versus that they're not the same. Yeah, but well, that's funny because like the the thing that I enjoyed most about Aladdin was I took my son to see it. That's the only reason I saw it is because we were doing like it was last day of kindergarten. Let's go celebrate. We'll go see a movie. Uh, and so I took him to Aladdin so that the next day I could say, Hey, did you like that movie? Do you want to, do you want to watch it again? And I just put in the cartoon and he barely even noticed. And, and now he's like, Oh yeah, I love Aladdin. That, that show's great. And he'll forget the, the, the live action one. And you know, that, like, that was kind of how I gatewayed him into the good stuff. You know, the first <laughs> one's free and all that. Wow. So. We now know how you brainwash your children. I'm hundred percent. I I I'm going to be speechless on that. <laughs> so it's I haven't happened. I haven't seen the Lion King partly because the the clips that they released, the trailers that they released, um, didn't just make me uninterested. But the Lion King in particular looks offensive to me compared to the original. So I'm not going to be right. seeing that one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. The the Hakuna Matata clip they released all over social media right before the, the movie hit was like, oh, it was so bad. It just made me shiver. Um, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. What? Bad. Bad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Cosmere Podcast says, let me know when they decide to get weird with it and do a live action Lilo and Stitch. Oh, uh, hey. Treasure Planet or Emperor's New Groove, which... I would I would actually say okay you can do Emperor's New Groove and I won't throw a fit if you have David Spade play the Emperor again. <laughs> That's that that is uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. a requirement. If you can do that then I'll see it. So um let's oh and then Spook says they better not do Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> well. <sorry. laughs> uh okay. We'll see which one of you gets your wish. Should we do oh gosh we've been going for a little while already. Should we do Tolkien? You mean, should you do Tolkien? Yeah, it's been a little while, uh, so you guys haven't seen that one. Have not. Uh, I was, I was very excited for this for obvious reasons. Um, you know, I had, I, I try not to have too many expectations if it's not a Disney live action movie. You know, going in, I try not to, I try not to set my heart before I go into the movie, and so I was excited for it, but I was ready to either like it or dislike it, um, and I loved it. I loved it. It's, it has, there, there are complaints that are leveled against it from people who uh, are, like me, big fans of not just the Lord of the Rings, but of Tolkien himself, and so they know a lot about him and have read the biographies and stuff, um, and so some people have some complaints about those, uh, and I, I get that, um, and they're kind of correct. There's a lot that is uh, fabricated at least at least fabricated with good intent most of the time like okay there's there's this kind of amalgamation of of events or people mm-hmm. in his life and so we're going to create a scene that kind of shows that but that scene never happened you know and we're going to throw that into the movie uh for the most part i thought those additions were great there were a couple of times where you know like there's a scene where tolkien is getting kicked out of oxford and so he gets drunk on the quad and starts yelling in, I can't remember if he's yelling in Elvish or if he's yelling in, uh, or he didn't have Elvish at that point, but it would have been, uh, 
Yeah, like uh, Old Norse or uh, something along those lines. I can't remember, but he's just, you know. Some Scandinavian sounding speak, language. Yeah, speaking it like Teutonic or something like that. Um, like that never happened. Tolkien isn't going to go out and get drunk on the quad, no matter how depressed he is. Like that. So there were a couple of moments where I was like, uh, eh, eh, eh. but what it did was, like I said, it, it intelligently repackaged certain parts of his life uh, to tell the story in a cohesive way. Uh, and it tells two stories. One would be how he fell in love with Edith, uh, who eventually became his wife, and how he became friends with the TCBS. So there's this group of four friends uh, throughout high school. They called themselves the Tea Club and Barovian Society because they would go drink tea at Barrows in London, uh, or sorry, in Oxford. And um, so they, they were the Barovian Society and they became very, very close. And then they all went off to war and two of them never came back. And Tolkien's relationship with the, the other remaining survivor uh, was never quite the same. They didn't ever have that closeness that they did uh, previously. But those two, I call them the two love stories in the movie. I thought they were both done really, really well. Uh, and so it accomplished its purpose, which was to tell a, a narrow part of Tolkien's life. There are two narrow parts of his life at that point. Um, and I thought it I thought it performed admirably. Ryan, you, you're ready to make fun of me. Go I'm for it. I'm not making fun of you. I, oh, okay. It's a, it's a trend I'm noticing in Hollywood, and I'm going to say something, and the initial reaction of a lot of people is going to be, how dare you, you dirty, rotten son of a... Oh, son I of, can't son wait of to a hear what? this. Son of a what? <laughs> son of a buck. Um, but it's more. this is more about the trend than saying this fits this here. Uh, there's been a, a trend lately of taking historical figures and writing a, a hard line between the reality of their lives and the fictionalization of the film here because they did the same thing in a slightly different direction. Don't get angry at me here with P.T. Barnum. Yes, they did. In The Greatest Showman. Yes, they did. They made him a good guy in Greatest Showman when he really wasn't a good guy. Um, but it's the same basic concept of saying, okay, hey, we, there's aspects of this story that we like and we want to tell, but the rest we're going to tweak and change a little bit here and make and 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 make the fiction fit our, our narrative here. Right. And not knowing the story of Tolkien's life, uh, not having that depth of knowledge that you would have going into it, I don't know if I would be able to tell the difference between the fiction and the reality. And, and this is where I think I appreciate this biopic. Is that where we've landed as biopic, a society? Biopic, yeah. Biopic or biopic? Biopic. I, I go with biopic. Most Whatever. everyone else I hear is biopic. Right. Anyway, really? the, the, with Phyllis with this Stein. one, <laughs> uh, that's why I like this one over some of the other ones where, you know, the, the Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man uh, or the P.T. Barnum, what was it? Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. Um, where they're doing is exactly what you describe, Ryan. In this one, I feel like with the exception of a few moments that I thought were a little bit tonally off, I thought that the filmmakers did a great job with staying true to who he was as a young man. Um, there were some uh, omissions. They omitted almost all of the Catholicism, which is a huge part of his life. But I understand that that's a can of worms that would add 45 minutes to the running time that you just can't do. Um, they could have hit a little bit harder on his sense of duty, um, which was why he didn't see Edith for two years when he was forbidden by his guardian uh, from seeing her. You know, like 
so there were things that I might have played up a little bit more, but but they didn't do anything to say like, uh, you know, yeah, th this part of him is great, but we're going to just kind of leave out the other stuff. Yeah. I didn't feel like they did that. Like if you made, it might be a little bit different today. I don't know, but five, 10 years ago, if you made a, a, a biopic about um, uh, Ronald Reagan, then, you know, you might omit that you know, what was it 1971 in some conversation that was recorded he's making these racist remarks you know as as <laughs> rich might white men were want to do in the 70s right um and reagan was no exception to that at the time uh but we don't remember him for that you know yeah and so when you make the movie you're like no we just want to make it about what people remember him for same with like martin luther king or whoever um, where we leave certain things out. And so I'm I'm okay with it to a certain extent, but I don't feel like they did that too much with this movie. The interesting thing I think though too is that it's it's a it's something that you it's it's a thing that you have to do when you're doing it as a film. I contrast that with um what they did for John Adams as an HBO miniseries. Mm. One of my favorite miniseries of all time. Um and and I I kind of balk at the fact that they call it a miniseries. It was what eight eight episodes long, six episodes long. Uh, miniseries to me was always three and you know if it was longer than that it was a series whatever but in in that one again they had pieces that they that they combined that they changed that there was there was timing that they adjusted um there were there were some glaring uh pieces of his life that that the way that they were handled in the in the medium were were completely disconnected with what reality was but again most of that film, they they stayed they stayed as true as they could. They had the opportunity to stay even truer to that story because they had, you know, ten hours of film to be able to portray all of those, all of the subtleties of the change, um, and all of the different pieces of that change. Whereas when you're dealing with two hours, I, I get the fact that you have to to you've create. To, you've got to you've fabricate got to narrow some in on things. the story, and it's it's a it's a choice that's made in the medium. So I'm glad that from your standpoint that they did a good job with that. I'm also glad that it that it stayed close to just that portion of his life because with so much of his life to be told, I'm kind of expecting uh, this to turn into a trilogy and we'll be seeing Tolkien 3, uh, The Writing of the Dwarves or whatever it's going to be called. This, um, will, this will not be a trilogy. <laughs> I think it grossed like worldwide. It grossed less than 10 million. And it's I, probably too bad. Maybe closer to five. Yeah, I, I feel not too great about that. Um, you know, I am but one man. I hyped it as much as I could, but whatever. And you couldn't even get me and Ryan to go see it when it was in the theater. <laughs> I know. I did just buy the Blu-ray, so that's going to be here on Wednesday. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to having that in the house. You, you with, know that we're going to be required to watch that at some point. Eventually. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's... Todd, Todd, you will ball like a little girl. I'm sure I will. hundred percent. With enough things going on in my life, all you have to do is say, yeah, <laughs> he, he had this moment. <laughs> Everybody so, knows that now. So it's not a surprise. The final word on Tolkien is I, I hope that if you haven't seen it, that you do. If you're at all, at all interested in the subject matter, if you don't care, if you don't like the Lord of the Rings, you don't care about Tolkien, then fine, skip it. But if you do have um, some inkling that you do care, ha ha ha, that you do care about it, then go bad for it. Bad pun. Sorry. Bad pun. That was an accidental one. I it promise. was not. If, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. If you feel like you're just a little bit interested, I would actually say then definitely see it because one of the things I like about a movie like this 
is that it gives you those little snippets. Um, it it gives you the little the scenes that uh, you think are charming or interesting or funny or or heartbreaking or whatever, and it makes you want to go learn more about it. And yeah. that's what I would want from this. But I, I of course I say that as somebody who uh, just loves Professor Tolkien and learning about him and and kind of idolizing him in a way. And so um, so of course I say that. kind of idolizing him. Okay. So maybe we should move on and talk about a different film. Uh, are you ready? I do you am. have one that you want to do? I have one. Okay, what is it? That I think the two of you have also seen and would like to talk about. We actually have one that we can all input on? Um, Spider-Man. Okay. Far yeah. From Home. Let's see. Uh, we are about an hour into this. So So we've got two minutes is what you're saying. No, uh, well, we've got a few more things to talk about. So yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's try to make a few of these kind of snappy. So Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man, there, there's a couple of things about Spider-Man that were a lot of fun. Um, the, the first one, at least for me, is that they did not, they, they did not, uh, miss the opportunity to connect it very clearly to Endgame. They talked about, oh, how many of our classmates had disappeared. We've got a whole bunch of them that have come back that were gone for five years and now they're all back. We're glad to have them. We're going to take them all on tour to Europe. They, you know, thank you for not shying away from it. Thank you for recognizing it and making sure that they integrated that story, um, from, uh, from the Marvel Studios into the Sony Studios and trying to further connect that those those two pieces of the Marvel Universe. I wondered, I really wondered if they were going to to shy away from it or, or embrace it, and I'm glad they embraced it. Um, the humor for a Spider-Man flick, I thought was spot on. Um, lots of things that made the Spider-Man comic book series fun showed up in this film. The, the, how how much of a star is Zendaya? She is funny. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know much about her outside of these Spider-Man movies that she's done. Yeah, now you know a couple times. Uh, but so she's probably already a big star. Yes. She she is quite a bit of a star. <laughs> but even like from my perspective, I'm like this girl is talented. Yeah, and she she carries herself well next to all of the expectations of of a superhero character um does a does a wonderful job of downplaying and of being the very sarcastic teen in the midst of all of the things that are going on um but but the best part of the whole deal for me was how beautifully they how beautifully jake gyllenhaal executes the character of mysterio and how he makes it work um all of the all of the pieces that because i i go into it so much for our short review I go into it like so many others did, knowing that Mysterio is supposed to be a bad guy. He's being portrayed oh, as the good that. guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't so know. So they go into it seeing him be supposed to be this good guy and then being all surprised. I hear people going, no way! And I'm like, <laughs> are, you, are you serious? What? Yeah, you, did you did never you, watch the Spider-Man cartoon growing I, up? He was like every third week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, it's Mysterio again. You know? I, was, He's I one watched my it, but I was a little too young to remember So, it. So I really, I, I really liked the way that it was handled. I loved the fact that they brought back um, uh, the actor's name that plays J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Bringing... Uh, uh, oh, this is going to kill me. I just watched him on Veronica Mars. And I love him on, I, I love him actually on everything that he's ever done. Yeah. Um, especially the farmer's commercials lately. Um, <laughs> but when, because I was telling my kids, one of my favorite moments in, in Spider-Man that we never got was J. Jonah Jameson looking at the photos that Peter Parker brings in going, oh, crap, Simmons. crap, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, mm -hmm. crap, crap. 
this one's crap too, but I think we'll use it. Put it on the front page. Use the word menace. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at that and I'm saying to my kids, you just missed this. And there he is. Beautiful job. Great, great connection. But wow, what a stunner at the end to so, just drop the surprise. Ryan, you just saw it last night. No, right? like eight hours ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. Yeah, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it more um, than the first Spider-Man one. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Good movie. Very fun. Um, low stakes. This one, they took Spider-Man up and made him a little bit like it was no longer neighborhood Spider-Man. We're now putting him a little more in the in the global uh, category, global and Avengers level things because he is now an Avenger. They've they've done that, um, and a great piece, a great way to transition him into the lead Avenger to take the mm -hmm. the role of Iron Man. I mean, it's literally the major plot point, the major uh, arc for him in the story and is, for the Marvel and for the Marvel franchise. Yeah, who's going to who's going to step up now that Iron Man is gone? Um, if something else happens, I mean, they literally have three reporters ask him variations of that question at some point in the movie. Yeah. Um, and they did a great job. I, the visual, like, I, I love the visuals later in the film when he's building his suit again. And it's basically, it's like Iron Man one where he's, you know, assembling, uh, you know, the gloved hand and things like that. I just, I really appreciated the work they did to make that transition and, uh, the arc Jake Gyllenhaal. I can never, I cannot tell you how much, even knowing Mysterio, like knowing this whole time, what was going to be the case. I cannot tell you how much I sat there wishing, no, let him be a good guy. I want more of yeah, him. I want yeah, him to be, be a multi, be the good version of Mysterio from the multiverse and, and join the team because you are a, you are just wonderful here. And then, oh, you're a great bad guy too. I want to hate you more than I can't. I can't. I can't hate you, Jake Gyllenhaal. And then. Oh, you never saw uh, Nightcrawler. I have no problem hating Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I buy that. Nightcrawler, which <laughs> that was the uh, one where he was... does the the home videos and yeah, starts selling them to local news stations. So he's staging crimes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great okay. movie, great movie. But boy, is he creepy. Yeah. So anyway, that's all. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a great. Yeah, it's. I think the MCU is going to be just fine going forward. Yep. Yeah. I you know we don't have time oh, to get into go. all that. No, we don't. We don't. So we're not gonna. So one last movie that's on my list that come that came out uh, between Endgame and now is Brightburn. Do you guys oh, even recall I did what not, this is? Yes, Brightburn is the one about the kid who's a who's got superhero powers, but it's a horror oh, yeah, flick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens if the kid that has superhero powers is on the side of Satan or the side of the evil or it's, whatever? Yeah, it's not Satan, but essentially, look if you haven't seen Brightburn. Uh, I guess spoilers. Um, wow. It's, I, I like it. Is it is a spoilable film. It is a spoilable story. I would say that it is spoilable. Uh, I will I will give you one last spoiler alert before the very end. But anyway, it's, yeah, so he is, it's, it's straight up Superman uh, in the upside down, right? Uh, so a vessel crashes on Earth, a farmer couple in Kansas, finds him in the woods. They've been wanting a child for a long time, and so, and so they pick him up, uh, and then it turns out that he's evil. Um, or, at the very least, the, the ship that crashed is kind of connected to him, and when it activates, it activates his evility, his evilness, or whatever. And so, throughout the movie, you know, he's kind of not sure if he's going to be evil, uh, but he's having these urges to hurt people and whatnot, and yeah, he does. He, he's 
smashing skulls and blowing things up and yeah it's it goes there um you know shards of glass through the eyes and all this stuff and it's pretty nasty um so if you if you have the stomach for that sort of thing then it is really well done uh i i like all the performances in it i like the idea of evil superman um and they do leave it open for a sequel at the end uh so here's your last final spoiler alert but i don't think you guys are going to care too much no. uh, so if you haven't seen it spoiler spoiler uh he ends up killing both his of his parents. parents um mom pa kent for lack of a better word because i don't remember what their names are uh yeah he murders them both and makes it look like an accident and so the entire world thinks that he's the tragic victim of several accidents that have taken his family and people in the town and whatnot um but there's a few people who know that he is evil, evil but the but the world doesn't and so now he's got limitless powers and is off to conquer the world gee so, sounds an awful lot like the boys well so what it is yeah i mean it's um this is kind of why i don't hate the Zack snyder iverse yeah as much as everybody else does because i think that uh with Flaws in execution that I totally agree with. I understand that. One thing that I like is that it asks interesting questions. Mm -hmm. Like, what would actually happen if Superman destroyed all of Metropolis in a battle with General Zod? You know, how would human beings react if it turned out that God was real and he wore a cape and he just murdered everybody you ever loved? You know, what would you do? How would people, how would individuals react? How would nations react? How would the world react? And so I thought those questions were interesting. And yeah. so uh, Brightburn doesn't... It, Brightburn is much more focused. Um, it, it's a much smaller movie than that. But it starts the process of really digging into those questions. Um, and so if... I, I don't know if they'll do a sequel. But if they did, it would expand on that stuff. And so I'd be interested in it if it came out. If horror is not your thing, then, you know, don't see it because it is kind of gruesome and kind of scary in parts, but uh, but I, I liked it. I thought it was well done. Okay. Um, Ryan, any any uh, other movies? Any other thoughts? Um, yeah, I want to throw something out here. Hopefully we can talk about it quickly. Um, Stranger Things Season 3. Yes, mm. I was just going to move on to TV. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so we have Stranger Things, um, Jessica Jones, The Boys, and I threw Veronica Mars in there just because I love it. So... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Stranger Things. Uh, really short and sweet to the point. They continue to do a great job with the series. It's really enjoyable. It's just as ridiculous as all the other ones are, but still fits in the horror. This one, they decide to go a little more um, creature feature versus thriller. <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so it has a little bit of a different tone, but it all in all, it's still a great series. It leaves you with some questions at the end. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I... I'm so creeped out by Billy. I really... He is so good. He is. He's, he's a so phenomenal good. actor. And yeah. does such a great job in that role and everything. But yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 no Power Rangers. That was his real tour de force. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun show. I like that. That was a fun show. But yes. Um, I I like where the, I like what they've done. I kind of thought that they would... They might have wrapped up the series and kind of tried to tie it off with a nice little bow and say, all right, look, there's a trilogy. We're done. You know, and then if we want to, we can do a spinoff or do something else and revisit it. But no, they're going to keep going with it. And so now, which gotta... I, I think is the wrong decision. I thought that was the wrong decision after season one. 
I thought season one was almost perfect mm-hmm. and they should never have gone on with it. You know, it, it just I'm speaking artistically, not commercially, right? Uh, it, it would have been just the, this perfect capsule of TV. Sure. You know, but they decided to go on with it. Season two was definitely subpar, but season three, I thought was it really picked back up. The story was much more interesting. It's much more fast paced. And uh, if somebody came and said, yeah, but the formula's tired, I wasn't that interested in the story, I'd, I would have a hard time arguing with that. You know, I liked it, but that's a matter of taste, I think, to a certain degree. Sure. But I will say that the ending of season three was uh, just perfect. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those engineered in a German lab kind of things where that's just like, it's engineered to pull tears out of you mm-hmm. at the end. And I, I really thought it was effective with everybody kind of saying goodbye to each other and all this stuff. So yeah, it's great. And you get the best rendition of never ending story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was good. Anything else to say on it? Todd, you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. My kids have seen it and they're wanting me to sit, spend some time watching. It. And I said, let me get the show done. Then we'll talk about yeah. it. Show's but done. you have watched some of the boys. I have watched some of the boys. What are you thinking of that? Uh, I'm thinking that that may be a hard one for me to get all the way through. Um, the level of gore that I've seen in it so far has been substantial. So for you, it's the gore, right? It, um, it's, it, sex it's the com- and violence. It's the combination. It's okay. the combination. Violence, I'm not too... I, I Violence, I can deal with. Uh, and I... Because I... I recognize when you're dealing with superheroes, the the kind of violence that goes on, the casualness of the violence in this film is startling from all of the characters. Um, the But I think that's that's exactly the point. And this is very much along the lines of what I was I talking agree. about with Brightburn. Right? I agree. It is a it is a telling of the it is a telling of a superhero story in a world that is driven by money, uh, and in a world that the rest of us are impacted negatively in some cases by the outcomes of those actions. In in every Superman comic, everybody loves Superman. In the beginning of the boys, everybody loves Homelander. But I you you watch in this first scene where Homelander throws a guy several hundred feet in the air and he comes down on a on a on a car about a hundred yards down the road. Clearly he's just he's just been killed. And he stops and says, hey, does anybody want, you know, yeah, I'll take, I'll take selfies. Go ahead. Take those pictures away. And I'm like, this is just sick uh, that, that no one stops and looks at that and says, hey, dude, no, you still can't kill people just because you can. It, it, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a film that asks some really interesting questions, but asks them in a very disturbing way. It already has um, some of the, some of the sexual aspects of the film and the and the uh the way that absolute power corrupts absolutely the way that theme is looking like it's going to be explored it's going to be disturbing so well i think uh, it's going to be one that i'm i'm gonna have a tough time getting all the way through it i'm interested in it for a few reasons i there's a lot of love for this going around right now i'm not sure that i'm totally bought into it the way that a lot of people are uh, but i will say i am enjoying it it on the surface, I like the kind of Zack Snyder question of, mm-hmm. you know, how would the world react if superheroes were real? What would happen? Uh, this one goes a different route with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one, 
makes them into Hollywood celebrities. Yes. And so now they're they're managed by this talent agency or you know some by kind a of corporation. Company. Yeah, and it's very much uh it very much looks and feels and smells like Marvel or Disney would if they were actually managing Tony Stark. Yes. Right. And so at least that's the idea and I I'm tentatively excited or interested about where it's going because what it's done is it's um it's kind of mashing up the uh superhero genre with the me too issue yes it is uh, with you know yes, what happens is. when you have somebody in a position of such power that they're almost untouchable yes and what do you do about that and you know and so I say I'm tentatively excited because I think that's an interesting way to go. I'm just, I'm not sure what they're going to do with it or how they're going to answer that question or what they're going to advocate for. So far it's been, you know, sorry, spoilers, Todd, shove plastique up their butt and yes. explode them to death. Yes. So, you know, and, and that's the sort of thing where I'm like, I, you know, I'm not quite into that that <laughs> it's going to be you're not it, into plastic up the butter you're not into the you know i've got some weird stuff but uh that's not one of them i'll tell you what though having um the 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 thing that made me say okay i'll give it another 20 minutes was carl urban or carl urban and simon Pegg. i saw the two of them in it and i went okay i'm willing to because i like both of them as actors i also like both of them as uh as as creators their creative bend i i trust that they ask good questions and that they put them forward in interesting ways. Simon Pegg so far has been criminally underutilized. Uh, but so far, but I Carl expect... Urban is a genius. How yeah. this man is not, you know, top 10 A-lister, you know, highest paid performers on the planet, I do not understand. It's because we can only have one Australian. Oh, are you kidding me? They've they've veritably invaded along with the Canadians. The Canadians and the Australians have taken over Hollywood, and I'm fine with it because they're really good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I I just love Carl Urban, especially in this, but in just about everything he does. So yeah, it's good. So uh, far, I'm very pleased. Should we call it, you guys? Probably. We've been talking. For I don't. Is anybody even still watching on the live stream? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, wow, that's that's impressive. Watching. Um, Did they just see. put it on background and they're watching us while they're doing like laundry or something? I'm sure. I hope that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Cosmere. Pro I'll just wrap this up with a few of your questions. Cosmere podcast says, did you guys get the full intended sympathy for Billy from Stranger Things? It absolutely didn't work on me. Um, it did for me. Not not like, oh, Billy was a tragically misunderstood character. No, it's more like the the things that happen to Billy you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Yes. That's the kind of sympathy that I felt like you now that this dude is going through it. And no matter how awful he's been, he doesn't deserve this. Right. And so by the end, when he kind of shakes loose the shackles of the mind flayer and uh, tries for a bit of redemption, it was effective for me. So yeah, I was all right with Billy. Um, let's see. Really liking the boys. Seth says, I'm really liking the boys, but I could see how some of it would turn people away for sure. Yep, yep absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that should wrap it up. Some people are doing dishes, by the way, Todd. They say they're doing dishes. Oh, well. dishes, great. No, that's that's good. That's good. That's a step above laundry, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, dishes is fine. Anyway, okay, let's wrap this up. It's a long episode, but hey, we covered a lot of ground, uh, had some fun doing it, so hopefully everybody listening did as well. Uh, thanks for joining us on the live stream. 
if you would like to join us on future live streams, go subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if you... Yeah, I think I told you guys this. I live streamed for two hours the other night. Yeah. We talked about Brent Weeks and played some StarCraft, and it was a good time had by all, I good. think. So anyway, yeah, come join us on live streams going forward. Make sure you support the show on Patreon if you have the means to do so and the inclination at patreon.com slash legendarium go to reddit and hang out there if you would like a discord invite i can give you a link to that thanks for listening everybody and we will see you next time <laughs>